0: Welcome to Indelible Logos. I'm Tiki, and you are about to listen to our second episode, which I guess in hindsight has been years in the making. I mean, who would have thought my featured guest, Mr. Dwayne J. Chennault, and I would be where we are today 30 years ago. So sit back, listen, and hope you enjoy. Thanks for tuning in.
1: You asked me what I wanted to talk about, and I said community and family. It's ironic that my aunt is standing right here and I realized in my whole life, my aunt has never lived more than a mile away from me. Always no. got my baby. So I was allowed, the same way I allowed kids to be kids as long as humanly possible, I was allowed to be a kid up into my early 20s because I didn't have any responsibilities. I didn't have any major, you know, dependents except CJ. And even CJ got dropped on the steps and he, <laughs> he was just part of the school crew like everybody watching. and hey yeah, don't let him fall stairs, you know don't let him go on the street that was the only rules he could walk all through the dirt and he talked to anybody and, and you know was cool with everybody he just knew where danger was and all he had to do was avoid that so that's why i call him the blueprint because he made it easy for Grayson, because. I learned at 1617 mm-hmm. with a friend that had a, you know, the child also was in school with me since my since the third grade. So we learned responsibilities that some people didn't get introduced to until their mid-20s. So it mm-hmm. leapfrogged us ahead of the game in life. And then we bonded, surviving what others would consider a struggle. We just considered additions to the village.
0: Yeah, but I think we also had family support. We might not have understood at the time about, you know, that being our first real support system, family. And, but I know that over the years I've really really understood how like you were talking about having a child at a young age, you were an uncle, I was a mom. And so the only reason I really think that I I don't want to say navigated it successfully, but I didn't have as many bumps and bruises as I could have had was because I had a very good support system, you know, that was helping me along the way. So.
1: And we realized that everything didn't automatically happen perfectly. So yeah, there may have been disappointment in the choices because they may have wanted a different future for us or a freer um, teenage and early 20 years, but it um, it wasn't dismissive. Nobody was pushed away from the family. And we watched adults in the neighborhood who now would be considered social activists, but they were just other parents in the house. So they felt responsible for the kids that were around their kids because they knew they wanted to know how these kids were going to carry themselves when there was no adult watching. Yep. So if there happened to be an argument at a basketball game at school, who do we know is going to handle the situation and make sure everybody gets home safely? And who do we know needs to be watched out for because they may have anger issues or they're going to be more impulsive than this child? And, you know, all of that structure helps later in life. You know, we didn't realize sitting on the steps of uh, 270 or, or leaning up against the fence at 265 that we were developing relationships that would help us when we got jobs. Because when we started working at Playland at 15, we took the block with us.
0: That is true. I, I wasn't there with you guys at that point in time. I was working for Charles Jr. Uh, right. he, he made sure that during my summers, he had right. <laughs> me right by his side. But the bottom line is that we were learning responsibilities. We were learning like what it meant to earn our own paychecks and how to carry ourselves when, you, you know, our parents weren't around. So yes, I remember going up right. to Playland and seeing all of you guys, hanging right. out with all right. you guys,
1: you know, yeah. And like we said the other day at lunch. You know, if we, we try to round the number out, it was 15 to 20 of us on that block and it created no career criminals. It created, everybody graduated high school. It, it was just little expectations that weren't discussed on a daily basis, but we knew what we were supposed to do to please our parents and make them proud. And that was the motivation. And this is still at the end of the 18 and out culture where your parents let you know, oh, 18, I'm not responsible for you no more. You're an adult. You can sign contracts. You can make decisions. If you don't like my rules, at 18, you can go someplace and make your own rules. Even though that probably was not true for the masses, that motivation and that guideline let you know, like, okay, I'm not just making money for sneakers. I'm not making money just to go buy Chinese food at the, you know, the end of the block. Like I might have to start paying bills in three to four years. You know, I might have to start learning regular responsibilities and 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 obligations in a short time before I'm 20, if I don't want to live by the rules of my parents.
0: Did your mom, um, did she have you write out like goals and stuff, like short short-term goals, long-term goals? Back
1: then? Uh, No, it wasn't actually my mom because I had siblings that were 10 years older. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So my brother Todd put the intellectual expectations on me. Uh, My brother Keith more or less put the just being a dude expectations on me. And because my mom was a, a, a widow and a single mom at 35, my sister Sheila became my second mom. So, as far as maintaining situations in the household and structure, it came from Sheila. And, you know, I had a twin that's my partner in crime, but she was more of a social person than me. So, even though she's only three minutes older than me naturally, she's three years older than me as far as her social circle. And social skills. She was skip. a
0: social butterfly back right. when we were in third grade.
1: Right, a ringleader. Right, and she she connected well with my siblings because she was uh, an action person, whereas mm. I was a laid back person. So I was comfortable at home. And it's you know I was just telling Lonnie we had an outstanding conversation this morning, and we realized those opposite personalities are what led us to where we are now.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Because she became a mom, also young, which allowed me to be an uncle, slash, you know, assistant dad without the Mm -hmm. responsibility and all of the joy. So you did it
0: also willingly, like, you know, nobody asked you, even if, if I am able to say this, even in a particular past relationship that you were in for a number of years, helping to raise that child, you didn't have to do any of those things, but you took that on willingly to be an example, just like, you know, you you were doing an impartation so the things that you gleaned from other men in your life that downloaded into you you looked at that as an opportunity not necessarily an obligation to do that to the other young men who were coming up so like for those who don't know that are listening Dwayne has become a dad 10 months ago to his first biological child, but it's a role that he's been in training for since he was 16.
1: Well, right. but the thing is, you know, like you say, my son is observant. I was observant, like my father passed when I was four. So I understood the whole over, overlap concept because there were men that let my father know that they would get me to manhood safely. So, you know, not to give too many examples, but in those summers where 85, 86, 87, where crack was heavy in New York, I was taken out of New York and in Atlanta and the Georgia area every summer, maybe two days after school closed. And I wasn't back until the week before school started again. Unless I was working, I was outside of Yonkers. So, at a young age, I realized there was dudes treated me different. Older dudes, elders treated me different because they knew what type of man they wanted me to be. They didn't want me to be street influenced because I was so quiet. They knew me being six foot two, you know, close to 200 pounds at fifteen, sixteen. they knew I could easily end up in the street in the wrong situation, doing things that I didn't need to do. Because my mother had an office job. So it wasn't that I wanted, I was a have and really didn't know it or didn't work. And then when it came time to see children, I knew each kid deserved to have a great childhood, especially boys, because my family, you know, they were very protective of the girls. But as far as the boys, you know, there was a mentality that, okay, they'll just become men. But, and this may be taboo for me to say it, I learned to be a dad from TV and from the positive men that were around me. I tried my best to take the positive characteristics from them and share it with young kids. You know, so it was easy for me to be, you know, make kids comfortable and get into relationships and understood understand what the struggle was because I watched my mom's. So if, and we were actually taught by the man that helped raise me after my father passed and he loved my mother, he was under the thought process of if you fall in love with a woman or with a child, you're taking the whole package. That's what men do. So I can't go and date you and then bring you pizza and take you out and then your child not eat. Because that child was part of you. So it, and that started so much earlier. I, re, I remember going to Burke Ave Projects with uh, two of my best friends, the twins, Michael and Owen. And we were all going to meet girls and there were three girls. Strangely enough, the girl that uh, I was attracted to and was attracted to me, she had a two-year-old son. And everybody went to each girl's apartment. But long story short, the son fell asleep on my shoulder while watching cartoons. Me and the girl never clicked, but me and the son was fine within, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. And now that I think back on it, you know, some people that have pets say, oh, well, my dog can smell. another." I feel like the little boy smelled like, yo, he has a nephew too. He has a little boy that trusts him. So I can trust him to go sleep. Mhm, And the older we got, the more those automatic senses just started to kick in because there were so many things that I picked up from watching but never actually being told that if you respect and love a woman, you can take care of her, but you don't have to make it obvious that you're taking care of her. You can take care of her and at the same time strengthen her dignity. And just to give you an example, the guy that raised me used to go to my mother's job at the end of the pay week and if he knew she used all her money for bills for her kids and food and whatever a mother's responsible for he would put money in her glove box and take her car while she was working go fill her car up with gas and put it back in the same space so when you got in the car you know the man that loved you took care of you but it was never like he threw money on the dresser or threw money in your face like you needed them. So learning that in 12, 13, 14, 15, it was just a matter of time when I knew I'd be using these tools that were put in my toolbox later in life. And to have a strong mother and strong influences when it came to dealing with women, I was taught to go into the situation if you deal with a woman, you need to make her better than when you found her. If she's down, you need to lift her up. If she's already great, you need to make her brilliant because she needs to understand that it's not just her looks that drew you. Pretty fades. Respect is gonna last forever. Mm-hmm. It's just no. like our friendship. And you know, again, from third grade, but we can go years without talking to each other. And as soon as we connect, the conversation is right back. Yes, <laughs> and I got to meet your children, and you trusted me with your children on my motorcycle. Well, your daughter on your mo- on my motorcycle. You trusted me and my brother.
0: Well, listen, you, you already know. I grew up w- looking at Keith like. If I were only just a few years older. (laughs) So, so that wasn't a hard jump, but no, I mean, you guys always looked after me, you know, like for people that, that don't know 270 and 265 North Broadway were across the street from one another. And so I would see Sheila from time to time, especially with me being a young mom. Um, CJ, her son and Christopher, my oldest were mm-hmm. around the same age and so they would play together and you know she would just kind of give me some little tips and ask me how I was doing from time to time and I, I appreciated that because being a teenage mom during those years compared to now was still a little tabooish like that wasn't a commonality and I I felt you know, different. I, I, oh. I was different, um, oh, but oh. your family never treated me, even your mom, she never treated me any differently. And I always appreciated that because oh. even though I was a mom, I wasn't, I wasn't at that place of where, how I, I wasn't sleeping around. I wasn't, you know, sexually Remiscuous. active at, at that level. Right. Um, it wasn't it wasn't that and I'm not this, that's not what this broadcast or this episode is about I'm not trying right. to justify it I'm just simply saying that I felt like your mom and your family still recognized that that's not who I was and they didn't treat me any differently and I always appreciated that about them right
1: and the, and the crazy part of it you is you're still in the church But if you think back on it, we created a church amongst our friends. There was still a a large group that went to community Baptist. But we created a church hierarchy amongst teenagers. You know, we learned from the elders. We carried what the elders told us outside. But then those that were younger than us, they would be like youth choir. So you had those different layers where a kid knew he could come and talk about something Mm -hmm. he may not be willing to talk to his parents about. You know what I'm saying? We dealt with everything that people are dealing in society early. You know what I'm saying? We knew in middle, not middle school, but grade school, we knew about boys that were different. And because they were different and honest with their difference, they were accepted early. You know what I'm saying? just an example like jeffrey he became an outstanding hairstylist but he knew he was different early in life and he accepted it
0: when he started
1: playing double dutch we knew like okay he's not hiding anything from us he's honest Mm -hmm. you know there were you know other people across street it was just like we weren't necessarily attracted to street huge drug habits or nothing like that it was just you, you found somebody to, that you can consider a role model young, you know? Like, I was envious of your dad, even in my shy years, when I could never speak to him directly, but to come <laughs> and find out that, you know, he grew up with my godfather, and he put a lot of time in at the gym that, to be the sheep that he was. He just wasn't born looking like a cement block building he he, you know he put effort forth to be that and you know there's there's there were personalities that were different like i wasn't an athletic person i played sports as you know i played sports because the girl i was dealing with wanted to wear somebody's jersey all right i'm playing because she's not wearing nobody else's jersey god
0: that that's the reason why you said you went out for football that's it
1: 100 <laughs> percent <laughs> sports sports didn't impress me. I, I was impressed by books. I was impressed by mental challenges, solving problems. Sports yeah, we were me. in a
0: few. I can right. I can attest to that because we were in a few honors classes together. And um I think that's kind of how we reconnected because we winded up going to different middle schools. I know I was gone for a couple of years because I had gone back to Kansas i came back and i think we reconnected in emerson
1: before emerson think- it, it was the enrichment center at school 31. oh we that's in,
0: right that's right we were we, we were in we grade what was it what was it fridays that we used to right. go
1: and they would pick the we kids were- up at school nine before they came to school six and then mm-hmm. we go across town to Tucko Road to school 31. yeah you
0: know
1: and yeah, we watched a lot change, even in the school system. When you look at it comparative to the years now, like you mentioned, the the you know the young girls having children, we were at the end of when they used to have alternative schools. They went from alternative schools to tutors to okay, the girls were fine in school. So there was busing involved, but they the school system looked at some kids like okay, he's grasping this or she's grasping this quicker. We need to give them classes that give them extra work inside the school system. And they produced a lot of leaders, whether we'll acknowledge it or not. We had people that were playing sports and they were automatically leaders on the team. So it was nothing new for me to see, you know, like one of my nephews just left. It was nothing new for me to see them have strength early and it was just my job to cultivate it. It was okay for them to be strength, okay for them to have strength. It was okay for them to be strong-minded as long as they weren't overly aggressive because everybody doesn't learn from Mm -hmm. aggression. Some people, you know, you have to spoon feed them knowledge till they know their own strength and that's what they did with their friends. So we had great accomplishments going on, just influencing people by example like you empowered a lot of women that weren't women you empowered young girls when they were cheerleaders that may have been body conscious may have been um misdirected there there could have been a lot of doughboys influencing them at that time and you would actually sit down and have conversations with them and Let them know what their importance is. You know, don't fall for the flash. Make sure he actually cares about you. Make sure he understands about you. Make sure he has some concern for what your future is going to be before you invest yourself in him. Because if situations arise and that's you know, wisdom that you gained early, and you're willing to share it, which a lot of people weren't they wanted to get smart and then hoard it you know the greatest part about gaining wisdom is sharing it with other people it. so they can either learn from your mistakes and not repeat them or see that your what society may perceive as a mistake could actually have been a blessing because it caused you to slow down i
0: th- i think that that's for me one of the you know, I remember my aunt Wanda because um, she worked for the youth uh, program at the time. and I remember her having me on a panel of of teenagers and actually speaking to them about being a teenage mom. and God, I was like super nervous to do that. but I felt it was important for me to do that because my parents gave me a choice. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but um, I had an aunt back in Kansas who was willing to take Christopher and to raise him. And my mom, which to, to be honest with you is still mind boggling, gave me an, the choice to keep my son or to give him up. And just in knowing my parents, to even know that that was a blessing, that they were willing to give me an option instead of making the decision for me, because I was 15. And my choice was, no, I am keeping my son. And my story might not have been the same. And that's one of the reasons why I was saying about a family being my first support system was I know for a fact, not that I felt I was on the wrong track or anything, but I know that Christopher made me want to be, the best that i could be did i make mistakes afterwards i did um, but i did the best that i could with what i knew how to do at the time and so i felt it was important to because i did i got asked the questions you know from time to time like well what's it like being a mom and you know there were times i couldn't do the same things that m- my friends could do because i have responsibilities but I was never envious. I was never, I never regretted my decision. Um, And I felt that it was important when I was asked those questions to be very transparent and to be open and honest with them. Um, Because like you said, especially my senior year of high school, um, I remember that's when a lot of the people that I knew were becoming sexually active and they wanted to know like, you know, what what was it like in case it happened to them or whatever you know whatever and so I wasn't looking at trying to be a role model or I don't mean I don't want to say a role model because obviously that's but I wasn't looking at trying to influence or or educate anyone back then I just was Tiki being real and just letting them know what my life experience was like at that point
1: right but do you understand how important it was whether it was true or not, that you were perceived as confident with your decisions and your life and how important that is. Because now... I,
0: no, I don't think at the time I really, really understood that. I, No.
1: Right. Because now I have the discussion with people with me being a father, a biological father at 48, the difference. And I've come to the conclusion that we don't know which one is right. Because we have friends that, you know, well, I have friends that have kids early and they grew up with them in their 20s. And you survived the struggle and you have outstanding adults that came from that mainly because of the parents' dedication. But now I am doing it at 48 with a brand new son And a stable career stable household i have more stability so it's not as much of a struggle which allows Mm -hmm. me to have more time to just dedicate myself to doing the same thing i did with the blueprint because my motivation with my nephew was it's my job to keep him smiling to keep him happy somebody else has to pay for his insurance somebody Mm -hmm. else has to pay for you know his clothing and to this day, I'm, you know, I'm I'm I was amazed and overwhelmed when I found out I was having a shower, because the stuff that I did volunteer, like you said, without having to be asked, I found out there was a whole city that was waiting to find a way to pay me back for something that I never looked for payback for. So that's why I tell you sometimes Grayson feels like a community baby. Because some of these people remember me coaching. They remember me. The fathers may remember me talking them down from a fight that may have took their freedom. But I just wanted everybody to feel the way my family made me feel. Like I didn't have to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders as a teenager. They knew that would come in the future, being a large (laughs) Black male in society that's ever-changing. Mm-hmm. But now it transcends over race and creed. Like I've always told people, you can go anywhere if you grow up from Yonkers. But when you you're younger, you realize like the most important thing wasn't your race, wasn't your religion, wasn't you know, your sexual orientation. They just knew, yo, you from Yonkers? Oh, all right. I, I know how you work. I know how you carry yourself in Yonkers. You know what I'm saying? If Yonkers people had a situation in White Plains or Galleria or something. And there were other Yonkers people around. I could not stand you in Yonkers, but I'm not gonna let you catch a beating (laughs) in White Plains, six bus, play land. We gonna come together. And then soon as we get back to Yonkers, I mean, we are gonna tell you, that was probably your fault. I should have let you catch that asshole. But you home now.
0: Do you really think that that was Yonkers in totality, or do you feel like that was North Yonkers where we lived?
1: Because Yonkers is a
0: wide span.
1: I used to think it was just North Yonkers, but as I've spoken to people that I've gone to school with as adults, it was Yonkers as a whole. I've even spoken to people that have been incarcerated and they said that ideology carried over into Bahama. Like Mount Vernon couldn't beat up Yonkers. Greenberg couldn't beat up Yonkers. Yonkers was the strength. And to take that even a step further, being that I work for the Yonkers Police Department now, that's the same ideology that the Yonkers Police Department has. You know, a lot of people aren't aware of this concept that the county has of mutual aid. But if you look at it, Yonkers is the big brother of the whole county. If something goes on in Peekskill, Anywhere in Westchester, and it's getting out of hand, their first call is, Yonkers, I need some help. And they respond willingly because they know, yo, I'm the big brother. I am the largest city in this county. So this county is on my back. Some other villages and towns have the luxury of having, you know, just uh, a sergeant and one police officer Mm -hmm. overnight because they know they can call their big brother if things get out of hand to straighten things out. That's a lovely feeling as a corporation, but it's an amazing feeling as a family, as a village, as friends, like whatever I can't handle, I there is somebody that I can call to assist me. And 100% I know when I make this call, There's going to be a lecture afterwards on how I could have avoided this situation, but they're not going to leave me out on the limb. And to pass that on to boys and pass that on to young girls in another generation, it just, I'm grateful that I can share what we grew up in to more people now.
0: One of the things that I didn't really appreciate or fully understand was when we go back talking to influential people who we had the privilege of, you know, having watch over us were the DiMatteos, like yes. Uncle Tony and Uncle Don. I, the, there's one thing that I remember. So to backtrack, Donnie and Tony DiMatteo, uh, Uncle Tony was the football coach at Roosevelt and his brother, Donnie DiMatteo, was the coach at Gorton. And Dwayne and I went to Gorton. Um, My dad, I'm still not sure when they actually met, but it was years ago before my dad played pro ball because they used to go and watch him um, practice with the Giants. And so I remember Uncle Don trying to give me like a pair of cleats when I was like four years old, like, you know, like, because I was the first, you know, child that my parents had and I'm obviously a girl, my brother didn't come on till years later. But Fast forward. One of the things that I remember is I was a cheerleader for Gorton High School while Uncle Don was still alive and still coaching, and the football team was made up of a plethora of different races, different nationalities, different backgrounds. Like we even had some uh, uh, Armenians that were, you know, on the team, and you didn't mess with you didn't mess with those guys when I tell you I was stunned at the level of respect that all the guys, even the ones who didn't play on the baseball team, if my, if Uncle Don walked the halls and saw anybody doing anything that they were not supposed to be doing, and he looked at them, said something, he didn't get not one thing of, you know, back talk or whatever it was just immediate execute. like where do you need to be oh I'm going I'm <laughs> going coach I'm going and I feel like when you were talking about that in reference to Yonkers I know that one of the things that Uncle Don taught even though I wasn't on the football team I know that he taught like you're you brothers like you look at I don't care right. you're black you're Italian you're you know Arab like I don't care you are brothers on this team and you look out for one another. And so I feel like part of that mentality comes from that Yonkers mentality that you were talking about comes from Uncle Don and those other types of men. Uncle Tony had that same level of respect over at Roosevelt, you know, like, I think that they were the ones that set that atmosphere, that expectation, that pace as to where a very large city, a very large, you know, um, like you were just saying, one of the largest cities in Yonkers, but we are still a community. Like we, we look out for one another.
1: Right. And if you, you know, a lot of people laugh, but if you take it back to the first major lotto commercial, when they had people from all out, from all throughout Westchester, and that first guy said, I'm from Yonkers, you knew, He was pronouncing it like it was Y-A-W-K-E-R-S rather than how it's actually spelled. So Yonkers was, even with the football team, we played John Jay. We played people up the line who were more, but they were more affluent cities. They were more financially stable cities. So we were always the underdog. You know, we knew that when we got on the bus to leave, that we were going to be seen as underdogs. So you're right. It did carry over from football, but it carried over just in general. You know what I'm saying? You grew up in Yonkers with a chip on your shoulder. And when you're in Yonkers or when you're representing Yonkers, there's a different mentality. There's a different effort put forth, you know, just as an aside, we're... we're, doing this interview two days after there was a, a versus battle between Blocks and Dipset, which is a, Blocks are a group from Yonkers, Dipset's a group from Harlem. For the last two or three days, as far as social media, the people that have lived in Yonkers, survived the struggle, and love Yonkers, you know, regardless of where they live now, the support is crazy. Because these are people that we sat across the cafeteria table with that we watched play, you know, for you and I, they were ninth graders when we were graduating. So we watched them play basketball. We watched them devote themselves to the to this rap thing. And we support a lot of people that do anything in Yonkers. You know, we support when Yonkers people get a job with a pension. We support when Yonkers people start a business and, you know, okay, well, you need people to wear your stuff. Like, yo, we'll wear your stuff. You know, we support people like Jeffrey. We were proud when Jeffrey got his first chance to do Stephanie Mills hair. It wasn't just Jeffrey, my stylist, beautician, whatever you call him. It was Jeffrey from Yonkers. So, you know, Jeffrey probably did Mary J. Blige's hair. It's just a community feeling that even if you elevate to entrepreneur store owner um celebrity when you come home you can still sit around and relax and be comfortable because that that whatever that that's taking you to another level is your job and you get back to coming to be your street name when you come home or your government name Mm -hmm. You know, like I have a friend that's a certified, accomplished author. So when you told me you wrote a book, I already went into street team mode selling your book hand to hand because I knew it was going to change somebody's outlook. It was going to affect somebody's life reading the words of a story that was in your head. Only to find out when I have a son that my son's mother is in your newest book. Yep. Way before you even knew her name.
0: Well, hold on, let's, let's take that a step further. So, so Dare to Believe, which is the one that I'm, I'm finishing up for publication, Nadia King is her name. Um, and she's, she's based off of two people. And the book that I started writing last summer, um, is called um, A Closer Look. And the little boy's name is Grayson. And so <laughs> when you guys told me that you were having a, the baby and that you were naming him Grayson, I was like in hysterics because I was like, wait a second. I was like, now this is two characters. I was like, come on now. What are you guys doing? Sneaking in my stuff here? <laughs> and,
1: and it just lets you know, again, back to the to the whole inside and outside church concept, there may really be a book written where we had to intertwine. And even if we deviate from that line, we're gonna come back to that line eventually. And that's how our stories connect and think. We don't control as much as we think we control. And you are one of the people that can 100% testify that this is the most open I've been about my personal life in almost 50 years. I lived a very compartmentalized life and there was a need to know status on everything that I did except for coaching and stuff like that. But my personal life was my personal life. So now that we're on social media and this is my way of contacting my friends that are no longer within arm's reach, I'm trying to share everything because I want dudes, I want the world to see how we father in Yakuza how we lead in Yonkers, how we support in Yonkers, even if it's through me, but I I want to change the narrative because Mm -hmm. we are loving dads, uncles. We are everything that everywhere else in the country is. Unfortunately, some just tend to show the negative. Like I have nephews 10, 20 feet away from me right now that are mental geniuses where older dudes were looking at them in their teens and was like, yo, this kid talks like he's 35. You know what I'm saying? He could be hanging with people that are 20 years older than him, but his desire for uh, intelligence allowed him to have conversations about things that they would have thought he never ever was exposed to and these are from men that love the strong women that raised them raised them and set examples on what a woman would and this is not a shot what a woman with just a high school diploma can accomplish and if you say if you have the same sight the same two hands two legs and you just have to have the work ethic and you can be whatever you want. You can push yourself because I've seen somebody do it. I'm not saying it's ever going to be easy, but it's never going to be impossible.
0: I think that one of the blogs that I, um, I sometimes I get the titles before I actually get the, the blogs. So mm-hmm. the podcast is, is now an extension of my blog but one of them is, you know, just talking about persistence, and going after the things, you know, and coming up against obstacles, but going back to that childlike mentality, when we were younger, we didn't let anything stop us from the things that we wanted, like, you know, you hit a roadblock, and it was like, okay, let me look and see, you know, who who can help me, you know, get, get past this roadblock, like, you were looking to, to just tunnel vision. Like you, you had a goal in mind and you went after it, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And so even now, I think that so many people have lost that because as you get older, you are exposed to people telling you what you can't do based off of their own experiences. Um, because they didn't have that same tenacity, that ambition, that motivation, that stick-to-itiveness is the same word that I'm using for my last podcast because it just Mm -hmm. works. Um, But I feel like your platform that you're speaking from right now, the reason that I'm doing this is because you and I both share something. We want people to know you can still do this. It's not too late the, the things that you have inside of you, the, the, the natural desires to want to see people live their best lives, it's there, it's there for a purpose and a reason, and it has to be shared, which is one of the reasons I am so grateful. I told you, I was like, I didn't even, I wasn't asking you. I was like, okay, so you know you're going to be on my podcast, right? And you were like, (laughs) okay, and I really thought I was going to have to fight with you about this, but based off of our conversations from the time that we've reconnected a few years ago, I just knew that there are too many people, There, are, there, you have a sphere of influence that, like you just say, nothing happens by accident that you've been, you know, uh, placed in, even from your job, you know, even older people looking at you and listening to your words of wisdom and everything, it wasn't by happenstance, it's for a purpose and a reason, and so the more that we can do things like this the more that we can be transparent sometimes because sometimes it takes us having to say this was my experience in order to capture somebody else's attention so that they right. can you know make a choice to do x right. y and z whatever the right. case is and so and those know, connections I'm, are important yeah those. they they absolutely are they absolutely are and so I'm very grateful for, you know, for you. And I know that there's also a book that's still waiting to be uh, brought from the wonderful <laughs> words of wisdom in that head down onto paper to be shared. Um, yes. This is, there's still, they, it, this is not completed. This yeah. is just what, the what? first step.
1: And and just to add on what you said, I, I just feel like society as a whole has to get back to pouring positivity in other people without looking for anything back. Because...
0: Or, or no competition. It's not right. about a competition.
1: Right. You know, we live a very simple life. Like I've been on petitions that they were talking about changing the JFK Marine, But if you think about it, That was where some fathers and some mothers took their kids when they did spend all the money on the bills. That was our open space park. Way before there was fences up at the marina, way before there was anything, it was just those big brown uh, railroad things that stopped you from going in the water. And your parents trusted that you were responsible enough not to put yourself in danger. And you know now that we've started to overprotect kids and um, allow technology into it so much, the kids aren't learning that early in life. Like while you were with Grayson, you see, I let him run. I let him fall. I let him, I don't let him hear anything that's a hundred percent- You were
0: having Grayson go out and, and, and get rid of his own recycling. <laughs> Right. You're already teaching him, you know <laughs> these things. But while we are at the, lunch, the box was almost bigger than he was, and he's like, "You're you're showing him this is what you do. This is how you right. take care of your environment."
1: Right. But while we were at lunch, there was a little kid that was close to Grayson's age. He was sitting in a stroller.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Grayson yes. is
1: sitting on a chair at the table because I'm like, he doesn't need a hot chair. He's not gonna stay in a hot chair. His personality is he wants to see everybody that's around. He wants to try to interact with them, even if it's just a smile or a wave. His, you know, his reasoning for being here right now is to spread joy. Like he makes mm-hmm. people laugh and ask questions that, you know, they normally wouldn't ask of somebody of my size and stature, because like you said, with the job that I have, I used to be the stereotype of the boogeyman, six foot four, 300 pounds, corn rolls. I am stereotypically what the bad guy used to look like. So to see the bad guy, the boogeyman, giggling with a kid that just, you know, either threw up in his hair or smacking him dead in the face while he's walking through ShopRite and realize like, yo, he's doing that just like I do that. It makes you look at dudes that fit my description differently. Whether it's subconscious or not, You can no longer look at the the large African-American dude as a problem. He's just another dude just like you that's trying to get home safe and trying to provide for his family.
0: Well, I think that you have helped me to come up with the title um, because it's something that you have said in our conversations. And I believe that you said it again today. And (laughs) that is changing the narrative that's what that's what your emphasis or, or your motivation it sounds like is you know in the wisdom that you share with those who are around you mm-hmm. you're helping them to get a different understanding a deeper understanding uh, a perspective um, you know from, from what you would just first assess when seeing situations or when you know, coming across, like you said, some a person who came from Yonkers, and, and what does that mean? You know, um, changing the narrative. So.
1: And it, and it's um, funny. I'm laughing inside because I'm thinking of your dad listening to this podcast and realizing that the little dude, well, the scrawny dude that he scared behind his mother's skirt when you said hello at eighth grade graduation is now still involved in his daughter's life and inspiring her the same way she inspires him. The support is what, the support and the ability to make the elders smile when they look at something that they invest the time in is what's amazing to me because Mm -hmm. that's what grandparents and great-grandparents want. They just want to feel like, yo, I changed something. I didn't necessarily have to change the world, but I changed, the life of a few people. That's that's mm-hmm. pretty much what you're here for. Everybody can work, everybody can have a career, and everybody can have a status. But to know that you've affected somebody else's life for the better is what will keep you internally warm and giggling for no reason in the store when you see a kid that you coached telling his son or daughter, "Look, you know." We're going to get this cereal, but this ain't the best cereal for you. Now we got to go get some fruit. So the same thing I told you, you're telling somebody else 25, 30 years later. And it's entertaining to me. It is fun. I have so enjoyed people watching in the city that I grew up in because I can look at people and see their features and I'm like, you're related to so-and-so because you have this face that I saw in high school it allows us to understand the power of genetics, the power of connection and the network that we are really a part of. Because we can go to other cities and post up on Facebook, yo, I'm from Yonkers and I'm out here on business. And more likely than not, there's going to be a Yonkers connected person there that's like, yo, go eat here. Or if you're not doing anything, I'll come through and take you where you need to go. So, you're not uncomfortable in a new environment because you have another Yonkers resident or a Westchester resident with you, which is important.
0: Well, don't be too disappointed. My next book is, is n- nothing about Yonkers, is there, but Hastings is. Hastings is. So
1: I'll, I'll never be disappointed. <laughs> I even love when Law and Order has, you know, Westchester City mentioned in it. You know, oh, here's a yeah, funny side story. Yonkers
0: before before we we end off here's a a very funny side story my dad is remarried um which i believe you already know Mm -hmm. and so my second mom dar loves i love lucy and so do i um and so when she met my dad they live out in california um dar was doing uh she used to be a principal when she first met my dad she became a superintendent but when she met him she was a principal my dad was Um, in the schools, uh, making connections, meeting people, whatever. And so uh, he had to meet with her. And so, of course, you know, he introduces himself, Charles Jessamé, blah, blah, blah. They start talking, whatever. And um, somehow, some way, he winds up telling her that he's from Yonkers, New York. And she's just, like, is stunned. And he he can't figure out, like, okay, like, what what did I say? Like, what's going on? And so she was like, one of my episodes, she goes, I love, I love Lucy. And there's an episode of where Lucy is on the train and she's going and the guy's like, next stop, Yonkers. And she's like, for all those years, she thought Yonkers was made up. She didn't realize that Yonkers was a real town or a real city in, in Westchester, New York. And so, you know, I get that whole nostalgia feeling. I remember my first that like, oh my God, they just said Yonkers was from the Flamingo Kid with Matt Dillon.
1: I and don't remember if
0: you it, and Yonkers Raceway and I was just like, oh my God, they just said Yonkers. Like, I still get that warm, fuzzy like,
1: yeah.
0: woo, woo, woo feeling whenever I come across a show, a movie, a book or whatever that mentions Yonkers. It is very special. It is very special.
1: Yeah, it makes you feel like you're part of something bigger. Yes. And that's a, that's a great feeling on those days that you feel like you're in a storm by yourself. You're actually, it could be worse because you're actually under the umbrella that is Yonkers.
0: Yeah. Um, I can tell you very quickly, and I'm (laughs) going to say this and I'm not going any further. When I wanted to do what I did, it wasn't done in Yonkers. It was done in other states, other cities, uh, because Yonkers, as large as it was, really wasn't that large when it came to Tiki. So um, I, I knew how to kind of cover my tracks a little bit, or at least I thought I did. But yes. anyway, is there anything else that you would like to say before we sign off for today? I have a feeling that we're going to have to do a, a follow-up with this.
1: Yeah, I am um, just thinking the same thing. So I'm like, I'll save whatever. you know we've we've done the childhood up to you know early 20s early 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 early
0: adulthood we have to we have to get up to current day
1: the next the next will probably be you know more inclusive and might include some of the people that are actually grandparents now that we grew up with and can speak from a different viewpoint Mm -hmm. of what we actually did because there's a lot of people that we talk to on a regular basis that don't realize they were part of this impact. Just because you weren't in the forefront does not mean you were not involved and not an example.
0: That is true. That's very true. Well, I thank you once again for... Thank
1: you very much for pulling me out of my comfort zone and my regular boxes. I was nervous just thinking about 30 minutes and we actually did an hour. And I wasn't again, nervous you know, at all. Right. But I've never really been nervous around you. You made sure to make me comfortable so I can be Dwayne because you did the social side for me. You did the, you know, you accepted my shyness and was like, okay, I have to adapt to that so that I can get him to expose what I see to others. I
0: just got, I just got mad patience. That's that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I, Thank you again. And um, I'm going to say one of my favorite three things that I say, to be continued.
1: I agree. Thank you very much. I appreciate the invite and I definitely enjoyed myself.
0: I'm so glad you did it. Love you so much.
1: Love you too. Until next time.
0: Bye. Until next time.
1: I'm Bye. I heard
0: her. <laughs>